Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you are one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. And thank you, patrons including Alex Bailey, Bart Crisp, David Morris, Matt Cottam, Charlotte Stegall, who are all supporting us directly. And you can join them and get access to our full-length ad-free show and our Patreon-exclusive weekly sister show, Extra Message, by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. We have got a great lineup today and we have got a fantastic bunch of patrons listening to us live in our discord in fact before we started properly recording the show i think we had quite possibly our most diverse pre-show conversation ever which included such facts as what is it like to type on an old palm pre um who are the most interesting famous people that ian and nate have separately urinated while standing next to um, can we impersonate Noel Fielding and a variety of other things? Um, it's a lot more interesting than it sounds from that promotion, but uh, <laughs> trust me, it was great. The, the feed, the, the real-time feedback from the live listeners was uh, was proof enough that that is worth being able to listen to, uh, and everyone who listens live can indeed get that. Patreon.com forward slash UK Tech. Thank you to you all. Now, Ian, we are going to start off by talking about something very old. No, it is not your face. It is the BBC, uh, and more specifically, that it wrote this week that nearly 65,000 musical cassettes were sold in the UK in the first six months of 2020. And this is according to the official chart company. And the firm said this is double the number of cassette sales that were recorded during the same period in 2019. Uh, and in fact, more than the entire year's sales worth uh, of from 2018. So we're talking pretty significant growth year on year for cassettes. Now, I wondered, is this just, uh, you know, hipsters buying the latest experimental releases to play in their garden sheds that are also public bars uh, is it just norwegian black metal fans who never stopped buying uh, <laughs> music on cassette in the first place uh, it doesn't seem so because i noticed this week that the world's greatest human being and this is uh, i have to say this is an objective assessment that this is the greatest human being uh, past and current taylor swift uh, released her new album on cassette uh, this was followed up by lesser musicians such as Lady Gaga, who apparently sold 12,000 cassettes of her latest studio album, Chromatica, when after that was released uh, in May. And Australian band Five Seconds of Summer, which, Ian, I, I was thinking, that is a band name far more suitable for British climates than those of Oz, right? Five Seconds of Summer <laughs> yes, is a pretty is. accurate measurement of British summertime. Um Anyway, that group shifted 12,000 cassette versions of its latest album within the first week it was released. So that is evidence, at least, that people are buying tapes. And they're not cheap either. The BBC story said that the average cassette retails for about £10, which is what you'll remember CDs used to cost back in the day. Um, mm. And vinyl costs about 15 quid, and people obviously are still buying a lot of those. So they are selling... 
Then I read another interesting fact about this. Um, there, the Lady Gaga album, there was a triple cassette edition of that. Uh, it cost about 25 quid or just under. But because it counts, because there's three cassettes, apparently it counts as three separate sales in the chart. And then I was looking at um, Taylor Swift's most recent album, which came out this week. And um, there are eight different CD versions of that, each with different art and a bonus track on it. Um, and they obviously, you know, if you bought all eight, as the website rather, I think, cynically suggests you might want to do, then that's eight sales per album. So it made me wonder, is this overall genius pop music marketing exploitation, getting people to buy things as essentially you know, promotional memorabilia, but actually count towards charts um, in a way that's now harder to do with with streaming, unless you're huge, uh, or is it, or is it something else? I don't know. I, I mean, in the chat room, Nick's asking, is it a fashion thing? I think it is. I think it is a style thing. It's a fashion thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the the thing that makes me say it is a fashion thing is because there are not a great deal of very good quality tape players available anymore. If you want a really good tape player, you're going to have to go back and find a very high-end machine that was used for, say, professional radio use or something like that back in the day. Um, that it's not like people are manufacturing them anymore. So it's not like there's a, a whole audience out there of going, actually, the sound of tape is really nice. We should definitely uh, do it. You know, literally no one is making machines anymore. I mean, apart from a few very small companies that are, you know, doing what I would not consider to be that they look like the cheapest kind of Walkmans from you know a few years ago um, whereas obviously there are perfectly decent ways to go on eBay and purchase an older uh, high-end player so I don't think I don't think it is anything more than just a niche kind of fashionable thing you know people want to be seen out with a, a tape player on their um, hip and possibly that's got something to do with shows like uh, Stranger Things and stuff like that so who knows but I definitely don't think it's because people have realised that the quality can actually be lovely. It can. And I think you're right. It, 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 they are a collectible retro nostalgia purchase, like Pogs or Tamagotchis or, or buying pornography from newsagents. Things of the past that we, 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 we look back on fondly. So cassettes, good, bad, you be the judge. But send us your verdict. UK Tech Show at iCloud.com. <laughs> The Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games will now take place in 2021, which means some of the first public demonstrations of 8K TV broadcasts, thanks to Tokyo's NHK broadcaster preparing for them, uh, will also be delayed. delayed. But a Wired write-up spotted by a beautiful and (laughs) well-centred man called Ian Morris um, said this week that this is not the only impact the event that is to say the global health one has had on tv and that is because as wired wrote the first few weeks of lockdown in the uk saw an extraordinary year-on-year spike in the sales of new televisions with several data analysts suggesting the increase in volume during march uh, of this year was anywhere between 24 percent and 39 percent compared to march last year april and may followed a similar pattern and by june 
volumes of sales were up about 40% compared to the year before. This is all still uh, according to the Wired story. But where it gets more interesting, I think, is that the this frenzy of coronavirus-related TV purchases have almost been um, have almost all been for for smaller sets or relatively smaller sets. That is, mm. those under about forty or forty-two inches, which goes against the trend we've been seeing in recent years of sizes being above fifty and often sixty inches in in, in many in many cases. Um, but there's more. The average amount being paid for a new TV shrunk as well by as much as 16% compared to the same period a year ago. Uh, And Wired quoted a chap called Rob Lawley, who's a managing director at a sound and vision store in Seven Oaks, who described his company's... sound and vision store in Seven Oaks. Seven Oaks Sound and Vision. Sorry. Oh, is that... Oh, yes. It It is actually... Yes, it's a company. It does what it says on the tin. Yeah. Uh, The tin being presumably the, the, the building. And it's <laughs> sign on the front. Uh, anyway, he described the, his company's current trade patterns as very odd. So mm. I was thinking about this because the way that the Wired story uh, framed this was that people would have otherwise gone out and bought massive TVs because of the Olympics. But instead, because the Olympics wasn't happening, they went out and bought smaller, cheaper TVs. Whether that was Wired's intention, I don't know, because I haven't worked there for six years. But um, uh, what I think it is probably is people buying second sets, right, for spare rooms or kids' rooms or office rooms, something along those lines. And they're like, well, we need another TV. So everyone went out and bought another one, but they don't want to buy another 60-odd-inch Samsung OLED because why would you? You know, if someone just wants to watch Paw Patrol or (laughs) whatever else kids watch. Or even do what I want to do, which is just watch... TV in bed. Yes. I mean, why would you buy a massive screen for that? No, um, I bought a 47, I think. I think it was a 47. Well, you're off trend then because these sales were predominantly under 42 inches, apparently. But that's okay, well, mate. That's yeah. okay. You know, you're, you're, you've got... Maybe you're further away from the It's under 50, I think, is... is yeah, and I am. And, the, you know, the, 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 the bit where I am is a bit further away from the bit than the TV is. And I had a... I think I had a 32 in there before. And so 47 felt like a nice upgrade. Yeah, yeah. And as Nick says in chat, 32 used to be standard. It mm. did. And I remember, you know, 32 inch when when you when widescreen TVs became a thing. That was like the default, wasn't it? It was either 28 or 32, but 32 was really really the standard. My first, I think my first was a was a 32. No, you know, I think my first was a 28 inch. I believe. Uh, certainly my first CRT that I I bought from Cash Converters was a 28 inch CRT widescreen. Made by Hitachi. Ah, good old um, Hitachi, yeah. Yeah, good old Hitachi. Um, and then, obviously, I've, as I've mentioned previously, I've bought virtually no TVs in my life. But then um, I went, I suppose the 50-inch Pioneer was the the biggest I've ever owned, actually. But I, I think if I was buying a TV for a lounge now, I'd be inclined to go for 55 or 60 uh, but I'd want yeah. no LED at this point, I think. But yeah, I didn't want to buy a TV for my lounge because I don't really use it very much. Uh, I wanted to buy a TV for the bedroom. And it was very cheap. It was like under 400 quid. That's not bad. So, I mean, I yeah, bought a for, 65... a, for a very nice looking TV. I bought a 65 inch TV and I think that cost about 800 quid. And I thought that was pretty good value. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. I mean, TVs are not that expensive anymore. No. The um, only thing is you have to be careful about what you're buying because some of it, 
you know, I, I, I don't think I'd get another H, HDR TV that's that cheap because you're really not doing yourself any favours. And if you're watching stuff in HDR on a cheap TV, you're you're seeing probably less than you would on a normal TV. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I mean, advise against it, really. In our pre-show conversation, which uh, which our uh, live listeners heard and some of the patrons will hear, we talked about Red Dwarf once, but I'm actually now going to bring it up for a second time because there is another episode of Red Dwarf in which Crichton, the mechanoid, becomes a human being. It was the episode DNA. Mm. Yeah, um, it might be. And, uh, I mean, it was 100%. I don't. I don't wish to be a know-it-all, but I do know it all when it comes to Red Dwarf, and it was called DNA. And uh, Crichton becomes a human being, and he was shocked uh, at, as to how humans make things bigger. And it's called move your head closer to the object. <laughs> and I've certainly found that this is the case with when using iPads for watching films. I bought a little mount that clamps onto our sort of our coffee table and just move the iPad closer to my face. And it's like watching a very, very, very sharp TV just mm. closer to my head when Kate's watching very, something else. Very true. Um, Nick in the chat asks, why is HDR bad on small TVs? It's not so much small TVs. Uh, you need a lot of light output on a TV to make HDR work. And the smaller, cheaper TVs just won't have the you know they, for a start they don't have direct backlighting so you're using a side backlight which reduces the amount of light available anyway um and the best kind of hdr is always going to be on something like a um an oled where the technology you know where the, the panel is emissive rather than just a shot you're shining a light through it uh but also any direct backlight produces a hell of a lot of light so the hdr looks good what it means is on on a cheaper tv that supports hdr you, you're it, dark scenes can be a challenge and also i've noticed mine tends to fade in and out a bit in hdr dark areas because it, it it's trying to compensate essentially for all sorts of things but yeah i wouldn't i, I think putting hdr on a tv that doesn't have you know a thousand or more nits of light output is a is a bit of a mistake did you ever have the nit nurse come around to your school when you were I believe in- so i mean i think most people will have done won't they we did, yeah, I did. Because we, we had a dirty kid in class, and I think he spread a whole bunch of stuff. Now, that's not fair. You know full well that dirtiness has nothing to do with nits. No, I know. They're attracted to very clean hair, but I just remember that, I, you know, I, just, I, I spread a lot of germs around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> little joke there for you, everybody. Very good, Nate. <clears throat> Thank you. Now, Nick also asked a good question. Nick, you're on fire today in terms of contributing to our live chat. Um, he says, manufacturers don't put much effort into smaller TVs these days. Um, and so it's hard to buy a small TV that's as good as a large one. Now, is that accurate, Ian? Um, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying correct our listeners live in front of them and all their... No, no, I think, I think, it's, I think it's absolutely right. I think because the thing is that most... The, 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 Small TVs weren't something that people wanted. They were necessary because they were cheaper. So if you were if you had a bedroom TV back in the day, you'd probably have like a really small CRT, like maybe a I don't know what size they would have been, like a between fifteen and fourteen. Yeah, so, fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. So I mean, that would have been a painful TV watching experience in a bedroom. I mean, it, that's tiny. Um, he said, um, but it was fine. And, uh, we all had them. 
It was yeah, fine. we did. Well, I didn't actually, to be fair. But you, no. again, you, you, the joke you made is accurate. You just sat a bit closer to it. So rather than it being where my TV is now, which is you know right at the other side of the room, you'd probably have it a bit closer. Like you might have it on a on a cabinet that was slightly closer to the bed. That's very so, true, actually, because you would you know your parents would say, "Oh, you're going to get square eyes sitting that close." Whereas now that's less of an issue because um, they're widescreen, so it's like you're going to have astigmatism. But they're more worried about that you're going to get influenced by fake news or something it's less about the physical effect on your eye shape and more about the sort of integrity of your effect. social opinion yeah. and yeah exactly yeah but yeah so i mean so t- so small tvs were never really desirable they were just a necessity of, of price nowadays um and all of this comes down to the master glass as it's called so when they make tvs obviously they cut them out of a very large piece of you know TV. So there's there'll be some huge size and then they'll cut it down into sizes. As the bigger TVs have got bigger, it means that, you know, the master glass is bigger, which means they can make more smaller TVs and that's reduced the price of smaller TVs. So, you know, therefore you've got you've got the potential now for a, you know, a 40 or 50 inch TV to be quite a standard thing. It's they're produced in very large numbers, so they're just not that expensive anymore. And most people in their bedroom, even if they, you know, they may not want a huge TV, but if you're looking at it practically, you want to put it somewhere where it's convenient. It might need to be a larger TV. And that was the case with me. There's nowhere else to put it. So I, it was further away. So I bought a larger TV to compensate for that. Um, so, you know, it's it's just one of those things. I think it's the price has gone down. Small TVs, I don't know, they're not harder to make, but there's just not a lot of point to it. That's really interesting. And I, I, I didn't I, I didn't realise, actually, I didn't know that's how TVs were made. That's, yeah, it's that's um, really so good, I mean, good, ins- good insight. If you remember that ultra, that you know that widescreen Philips that I've got, the the twenty one nine, it's basically just a a, a sixty inch, I think it's sixty inch TV cut in half. So it, you know you'd you'd get two out of every sixty inch LCD panel you made, and say if the panel was big enough to make four sixty inches, then obviously you, you can see how the maths works out, mm. and it'd be cheaper. Um, there's I th- someone did a a, a YouTube. Uh, thing on that i'll have to see if i can dig it out and i'll post it in the chat but uh yeah there's um there's definitely uh, obviously as as tvs have got bigger the, it increases the cost benefit to lower sizes of screen really interesting i mean you've you gave me the mental image briefly there of you know like when you go into a post office and you buy a big book of stamps or a, or a pack of stamps and they've got mm. like a grid of 20 by 20 stamps that they sort of just break them off that's exactly kind of like that that's kind of what I'm seeing with with TVs. Um, you just need many, many more OAPs to be doing the breaking than than they use in post office yeah. for tearing stamps off. But uh, great, great insight from well, Nick. M- also raises the point about bad speakers in small TVs. Um, I mean, I know my TV is not that small, but the speakers in it are quite good, but only for dialogue. So mm. they've they've obviously learned that what people want to hear is the talking. So you get the bass on it sounds absolutely horrific, but the dialogue is quite clear. So they've learned that. But it's not difficult to put a subwoofer in a TV. You know, we're not talking about a massive subwoofer, but something capable of moving air a bit in the low frequencies is it is doable. It's just you know it's just a bit expensive. 
Well, how do you move air at lower frequencies? Um, are you insufferably arrogant about your knowledge of Red Dwarf episodes? Um, <laughs> what opinions do you have? Simply put them in an email and send that to us at uktechshow at icloud.com, particularly if you've got a comment on something to do with what we've just talked about, you know, the size of TVs you've bought. It's been a slow news week, ladies and gents, so let's give Vodafone some free PR as a way of kickstarting a slightly different conversation. Uh, uh, Gizmodo wrote that Vodafone has added Amazon Prime and YouTube Premium as new benefits on its mobile plans, which goes, uh, which ad- is added to the existing options of Spotify Premium, Now TV, Entertainment Pass, Sky Sports, Mobile TV. And to note here, the Prime perk that is not amazon prime video specifically that is all of prime uh so free deliveries on your on your purchases and so forth right that's the boring fluffy promo we bit out of the way um this story got me thinking quite seriously actually about how far <clears throat> excuse me these subscription bundles for consumers could go because we we've really cemented this as a thing that all mobile networks do now which is for this you know other than the budget tiers, when you sign up to a plan in the UK now, and I, I believe other countries as well, you get uh, a choice of things to get an included subscription to. A lot of people do Spotify. Uh, EE, I think, does Apple Music. You get uh, Sky. You get Now TV. You get Netflix on some of them. There's loads of them. But they're all, they've all so far tended to be uh, products that you would use on your phone. Uh, you know, streaming stuff, basically, and maybe zero-rated data for the streaming of those things. The bundling of Prime is certainly one of the first that I have seen of what I would call a physical subscription benefit being added. Um, And that really got me thinking that this could be a really good idea for a much wider range of promotional subscriptions. For example... For example, um, I was thinking if EE came to me, I'm, my network is EE, and if they said, oh, <clears throat> please renew your contract for two years, um, I would say no. Um, but then I would say, but maybe you could tempt me with a free included subscription. And they say, well, good news. We've now started offering Deliveroo, like a Deliveroo premium where you get unlimited free deliveries every month. Now, that would be very, very, very tempting. Now, it's not anything specific to EE, but it's a subscription that a lot of people have. A lot of people have meal kits uh, and things like that. Kate has a pasta delivery box every week from a company called Pasta uh, Evangelists, I think. And that's not cheap. But if that was something that was bundled into a mobile plan, that could be a good deal for everyone. And then I thought, well, why would a mobile phone company do this? And then I thought, well, thank you few seconds ago self because they could do something like well if you order something with Deliveroo then you get say two hours of zero rated data from the point of delivery so it'd be like you order a meal and then when your meal arrives you get a couple of hours of free data to stream a movie or something while eating that meal or I thought of other ones so you could have 
Um, I don't think Uber has a subscription one, but I, I did think if, if there was one for travel, you could have free uh, sort of zero rated data if you're in transit on that particular mode of transport or something like the train line, getting a season ticket, maybe free data for checking for delays or strike activity um, or maybe a magazine subscription type thing where you get free data for downloading the digital editions and then a free call to their premium rate uh, support line to cancel the print subscription perhaps. <laughs> uh, and there's others, Audible maybe, audiobooks, um, maybe something for donating to charity. I could see that being a good one. Like every month you get £10 to donate to a charity of choice. Like there are lots and lots of things <clears throat> that we could start thinking about given that our culturally now we're, we're so used to this idea of, of subscribing to stuff that it just feels like well it clearly works for the mobile networks because the contracts are one or two years these subscription things are often one or two years people there is a huge crossover between people who want phones and people who want food delivered so why not put two and two together am i going mad um i'd rather have cheaper phones uh oh. monthly rental I know that's a really boring take on it. And I can, I suppose I can think of things. I mean, for me, I th- I do feel like one of the problems is that I'm subscribing to a lot of stuff. And I did try and cut back a few things. But re- realistically, I-, I need Amazon Prime and I need Netflix because I want to watch TV. And I- as I've mentioned countless times, I don't watch broadcast TV at all. So those are my, that that's how I get entertainment is, is through Netflix and Amazon Prime. So... I guess I'd kind of be inclined to go with one of those. And if it was a way of sort of, I mean, would it save any money? Probably not, because they're not really free. They're just bundled in the price. Uh, so that just makes me feel like I just want a cheaper tariff and that that would be good. But yeah, I mean, I would I would always go for something like, um, I mean, the Spotify premium options never seem to include existing customers, do they? No, Which I find for, incredibly for frustrating. App, Apple Music, yeah. I think you should be yeah. given a code. That you yeah, just you in, should. You just enter the code and and that's it. Yeah, uh, that is exactly right. And um, yeah, but I think I'm trying to think about something that I, I, would, I would really love to have that I perhaps don't subscribe to at the moment, but would um, if, if it was included. But I can't actually think of anything. Well, I just offered a few suggestions. Um, yeah, and I like those. And actually, I, th- I think your Deliveroo idea of a movie uh, free data being included is actually a really good idea. Well, one of um, our other Ians, uh, who's listening live in, in chat, uh, questions, is free data a bonus in 2020? And it, it, well, it is, yeah. I mean, zero rated data. I mean, it's not expensive. You can get 100, <laughs> I think you get like 100 gigabytes for 20 quid pretty easily these well, days. you know, funnily enough, I just looked on the EE website. And their oh. best-selling plan is 80 gigs of data for £20 a month. That's 4G only and oh, okay. 60 megabits per second. It's not their top speed. Mm-hmm. But like Vodafone, they do unlimited, I think. EE does has does have an unlimited plan. Oh, you, for you can have phones. unlimited. Um, it's not that much. That, no. I mean, for example, EE's um, unlimited uh, uh, 5G plan is £35 a month, which isn't catastrophically bad bad. and you get one of the following bt sport ultimate amazon prime video uh, and britbox so i I think amazon prime and britbox six quid a month i mean yeah they're good perks yeah they're good maybe patreon maybe patreon maybe this you know what mate this is what we should be doing this is really deal we should get on like we know a lot of people at phone networks we're not we don't need to we don't need to brag we know a lot of people at these networks between us right why don't we together suggest that for everybody who signs up for a plan on ee or b 
BT or yeah. Vodafone or whoever, everybody automatically gets signed up for our Patreon. Yeah, brilliant idea. I mean, this could be a way to make us literally millionaires. That would be fantastic. It would be fantastic. I mean, I know you've got some very strict and, and very ethical rules that I, I respect enormously. Uh, I feel like this might, in realistic terms, actually breach those. However, well, yes, that is, I can, that is true. I, uh, well, it, but, but would it if it was um, if there was a no interference thing? If we could say anything about the network that gave us, you know, these Patreon customers, uh, w- w- you know, would that be would that be ethically acceptable? Well, let's just make it really clear here that I think I've insulted all the major networks and I have praised <laughs> all the major networks yeah. for different reasons at different times. So I both hate you all, you're all terrible, but I also <laughs> love you all and you are all brilliant. So with yeah. that out of the way, no questions asked. I've just thought of a really good one that would that would be absolutely brilliant. And I, I mentioned this as a, a possibility for chat, didn't I? But it was um, the... Um, the, the new Xbox, uh, when it comes out, all of the first-party games are going to be available on the um, subscription service. Now, that's something that would be great to have with a phone uh, deal, wouldn't it? Like access to um, the Xbox. What's it called? Xbox? Well, there's Game Pass Ultimate. Game Pass Ultimate. That's the one. Um, and that and that works on Windows as well with a smaller library, but it's cheaper. Um, but so something like that would be something that I think I would be less likely to pay for myself. But if it was included in a in a, in a reasonably priced SIM deal, I think that would probably tip me over the edge. And I'd be like, oh, well, why not? You know, games for Windows like would be brilliant to have as a, as a, as a subscription because you get all sorts. You do. In fact, I think See, you're going to get the new Destiny uh, year release on that service, I think, ooh. which would be quite cool. I can sense the excitement in your underpants, mate. Very, very much so. At the thought of that. Fantastic. Well, um, that's been a lot of fun. Thank you to everyone for listening to that conversation. Uh, (laughs) If you you have an opinion on it, you know where to send it. UKTechShow at (laughs) iCloud.com. That was an unnecessary pause. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Much like a five-legged cat. You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. This week we had some nice feedback and I wanted to hone in a little bit on the feedback that we got from the Extra Message episode that went out this week, which goes out every week to most of our patrons, because I recorded something while watching somebody riding a horse and started ad-libbing something quite strange. And then I sent it to Ian and said, (laughs) I'm thinking of publishing this 
as an extra message, is this just too mad? And you seem to think a bit mad, but not too mad. And then I shared it um, and the feedback's been brilliant. I had a message from Luke who said, I absolutely loved the extra message. It reminded me a bit of the Strange Planet webcomic in the way you describe tech. Not sure why you wouldn't publish this as an extra message, which was great. Uh, John wrote in and said, I think it's very charming and endearing extra message. So well done. And we had, um, I think it was Ian in our chat room while we were talking who compared it favorably to something like Monty Python. So very good compliments. And it's made me wonder, maybe there is a market uh, in the text message world for more ad hoc, deadpan, improv, sort of comedy type um, programming. But that is an extra message. It is sort of the experimental sister of the text message universe. Um, but thank you to everyone who was listening to that. And maybe we'll do some more of those. But uh, of course, if you haven't heard it, if you are a patron, go and grab it. It'll be in your feed, as will all 40 extra message episodes. Uh, We're going to check in now with Tom Merritt, who's been talking about the world at large of tech. And um, well, let's hear what Tom has to say. This week on Daily Tech News Show, Caitlin Bowden helped us understand better how to keep teens safe online. Trish Hersberger talked to us about whether Sony or Microsoft have your best gaming interest at heart. We discussed using video game crowd noise in real sports without fans. Who could possibly buy ARM without getting into hot water? And whether Intel can survive delaying its 7 nanometer process CPUs again. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. And I must throw in my support for conversation about fake video game crowd noises being used for sports. Very interesting discussion and mm. a, not not a stupid idea since the actual um, sound that was being used to play over the top of live sports events that had no people in the stadiums was captured for video games. It's a really good use of legitimate audio and one of the yeah. only ways in which it is interesting to talk about sport. So thank you, Tom. <laughs> Daily tech that sounds like show. a really interesting show. I'm quite fascinated by the uh, the Intel 7 nanometer debate because they are very, very far behind. Uh, you know, AMD's Ryzen has been 7 nanometer, I think, for some time, and that is a real problem for them. Mm. I think it's a bit of a marketing term, this this 7 nanometer versus well, 10 nanometer these days. How much difference does it really make? Well, that's the thing. I mean, for sure, I'm probably not a huge amount, but it does make a heat difference. It does mean that AMD is able to bundle its processors with stock coolers that do the job, which saves mm. you 60 quid, maybe. I mean, I've spent a lot of money on uh, heat sinks and coolers in my time. I've got a fan- fabulous one in my old machine. Uh, but I just put the stock cooler in the AMD when it's fine. So... I mean, not perhaps not a, much, a huge amount, but it does affect the price. It does mean that uh, you know there's a less of a package cost for an AMD processor than there is an Intel. Well, it sounds like you should go and listen to that episode then. I will. I will. Da- DailyTechNewsShow.com. Um, but on the topic of heat, it's time for us to go because I am overheating like a Pentium Four in a low in a budget laptop, mate, from 2004. So can I tell? Can I tell you something? Go on. I had to take my trousers off again. <laughs> you really? I'm semi-naked as well today. I, I, I had no choice. You were talking about you were doing. Uh, I can't remember which which intro it was. You were doing. I think maybe it was the the uh, the Vodafone one or something like that. I was like, no, I can't. I can't. I can't talk about Vodafone without taking my trousers off. Uh, so I did. That's excellent. <laughs> With a bit of luck, when all this the world's craziness goes over, maybe finally we'll get to live out our dream and record a podcast in person together in the nude. But. Oh. Before then, we'll see you next week.